Now turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13 today. We're going to be uh, going through a message talking about humility. And we're going to be focusing on John chapter 13, but we're going to be jumping around a little bit also in the Bible. And a lot of the um, scriptures we'll be using are on the back of your bulletin if you wanted to reference those. So once upon a time, there was a writer writing in the 1700s along a, a dark and lonely road, and daylight was starting to rise, and he came up upon a group of soldiers trying to move a large tree that had fallen across the road. And he looked around, and there were five people there, and four of them were trying to move the tree, and one was standing there with his arms crossed, and he was a corporal. And the man rode up to the corporal and he said, Corporal, how come you're not helping your men move this tree? He said, I'm a corporal. My job is to give orders. He goes, their job is to follow them. Well, the rider just kind of looked at him and he walked away or rode away a little bit, found a tree to tie his horse off to, and he got off the horse and went over to the soldiers and... Um, grabbed part of the tree and helped them to finally be able to move it. They just needed that one more person to move that tree. And when he got done, he kind of just walked over to the corporal and said, that's not what leadership is. And you're wondering, well, who was this kind rider? Who was this guy that, that was able to to bring this lesson to this corporal. Well, his name was George Washington. You might have heard about him. He was a commander-in-chief of the military at that time, riding kind of undercover to, to, to be able to, to get to another part of his army so he wasn't taken out by any of the uh, enemy scouts. And this story is an example of the humility of George Washington. And it may make us say, well, he was a great guy. And a story like this doesn't need explanation because we understand what's going on. George Washington was a good guy. But we also recognize in the story the corporal. And that sometimes, there may have been times in our lives where we've acted more like the corporal than we care to admit. We want to be humble. If you're a Christian and, and you read the Bible, you want to be humble. You want to be like Jesus. You want to be helpful. And you want to think about others more than we think about ourselves. And today, like George Washington, we're going to learn from the example of Jesus. George Washington was a man of the Bible. He learned this lesson from Christ. And what he learned is that Jesus is the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. He is the ultimate authority. Jesus is the one who humbled himself. He's the one that took the lashes. He's the one that took the beating. He's the one that was crucified naked on a rough wooden cross to take the punishment for our sins. And he finally did what no other man was able to do, and that he conquered death so that we could experience abundant life. 
So let's look at the scripture this morning that, that really exemplifies this in the Bible. And it's in John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask, Father, that you help us to learn from your example this morning. Help us to identify areas in our life where we are not servant-minded. Examine us this morning, Lord, and expose areas of pride so that we can give them to you. You can wash us in the blood and teach us the humility that we need to shine your light more effectively in this world. Father God, I thank you and I ask this in your name. Amen. So one of the big ideas I want to show us, this, I want to bring forth this morning, is that Jesus demonstrated humility by coming to earth from heaven and washing the feet of his disciples. And when we choose to exercise humility, we look most like the Savior that we profess to the world around us. Let's begin by seeing that Jesus set the example. As I said before, it's admirable of what George Washington did in that story. But he did what he did because he read the Bible. He saw the example of Jesus Christ. He learned it from, our, from God. Jesus is our example. Jesus is the one that we're supposed to model our thoughts, our behavior, and our actions around. We should want to be like him. And we want to learn to serve others as he did. Here's another scripture that highlights that kind of thinking. Paul wrote this in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5, when he said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should, not, should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Paul's encouragement is for believers to be like Christ. Our attitudes are supposed to be like his. Our actions are supposed to mirror his. And on one hand, people can say, well, 
That's easier said than done. I mean, Jesus was God. And being God is pretty easy for God, right? He's just being himself. And I could see that could be a valid argument, except that God made a way for us to be like him too. He gave us the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus and the Father. And it's easy for God to be God. So if God is in you, directing you, filling you, guiding you, and, and changing you, then it's easy for God to be God in you. Isn't it? Too many of us have this, we need to grit our teeth. We need to just knuckle down. We need to put our nose to the grindstone and just bear, bear with our faith. If we just act right, then God will bless us. We just need to try harder, push harder, do all these kind of things, and, and just grind through this life so that we can experience the joy of heaven. But that's not what God has for us. And it's not what Jesus has for you. You know, Jesus never really tells us to fight. He never tells us to try harder. He tells us to stand. Stand in Him. Trust in His finished work. Stand in His truth. Stand in His love. Stand in His mercy. Stand being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And see the salvation that He has bought for us. So how do we experience this? We emulate what Paul said about Jesus. When he said in Philippians 2, verse 5, he said, Who, Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to bring out a couple of the things that we just read. And there's some specific mindsets and attributes that Paul identifies here in Jesus that I think will help us to stand strong in a servant and humble mindset during these last days. And the first one is don't take advantage of your position. Or said another way, don't lord any position you may have in this life over others. Most of us are leaders in some area of our lives. You might be parents. You might be a, a supervisor at work. You might just be a person of influence, even if you have no official title. If you're the only Christian in that place, you are the elder. You are the pastor of that place. That just may be what God is calling you to do. We all have opportunities to serve others, but you also have opportunities to take advantage of others. And Paul's reminding us here that Jesus had all of the power and all the opportunity in the universe to use his position to his advantage. Jesus said, I, could have, I can call down 12 legions of angels right now and destroy the world if I wanted to. But he didn't because he kept his eye on the mission. He kept his eye on the prize and that prize was saving you from your sins. He laid it all aside. The hospital that I work for just went through a senior leadership transition. Our CEO 
who had worked for the hospital for 45 years is reti retired last week. And a new CEO was hired. And my first meeting with the former CEO was when I first started working there almost eight years ago now. I had to drop off some human resources paperwork to what is known as the third floor. Third floor of our hospital is where all the administration and leadership offices are. And I got off the elevator and I'm walking around. I have no idea where I'm going. And I went the wrong way and I came upon the CEO's office. Her door was open and she was sitting on a phone call with somebody. And she saw me standing there looking around. She, she immediately said, hey, let me call you back in a couple minutes. She hung up the phone, came to the door, asked me who I was. I introduced myself. She goes, oh, hi, I'm Mary Beth. I'm the CEO. Um, what do you, can I help you with something? I said, yeah, I'm just looking for human resources. She goes, oh, let me take you there. She walked me all the way down to human resources, introduced me to the human resources person, and asked me if I needed anything else. And I thought, wow, the CEO of a hospital put an important phone call on hold or hung up and said that you call him back just to help make a new employee feel comfortable and served. That's just an example of servant leadership in the world. And I'm encouraged by the new CEO. His name is Carl. He had a videotaped address that he sent to all of our emails, and he actually used the term servant leadership several times in it. So I'm pretty encouraged of, of where he'll be taking us. I'm hoping he's a Christian. The second thing we can do to be a humble servant like Jesus is to serve others. I just used an example of, of someone serving me, but think about what Christ did. He laid aside his royal position. He chose instead to become a servant. He should have been able to show, I mean, we see famous people today, and we see like their entourage, and we see the paparazzi, and we see the, the lights and the, the glamour and all that. Jesus deserved that times a quadrillion more honor when he was on this earth. Yet he chose to become a servant. He chose to be born in a basically a know-nothing town. He grew up in, on the wrong side of the tracks. Nazareth was considered one of the worst towns in the entire area of Israel, but that's where he chose to grow up. He gave himself for the needs of others. And we'll get into more of that in just a moment. But number three is give your life away. Jesus' humility ultimately led him to the cross. And most of us are familiar with that story. But what about your story? Jesus laid everything down for us. Everything. So what are you holding on too tightly to? Are you holding on too tightly to a kingdom, a relationship, a possession, dreams or aspirations? Whatever it is, whatever you know that might not be pleasing to God, are you holding on too tightly to it? Instead of just saying, Jesus, I trust you. Maybe God wants you to serve someone this coming week. 
Maybe God wants you to repair a relationship that was damaged. See, Jesus laid everything down. He held nothing back. We as his followers should do the same. To be humble enough to say, God, we trust you. We trust you with this. You see, humility isn't, just, isn't so much a destination. To be reached is, a, is an attitude to be embraced. Humility is simply letting go of you. Letting God be in charge. It's a death of self and letting God and his spirit be in control. And you can't read the Bible without seeing that humility is a pretty big deal. You see, we see way the exact opposite in our society. If we watch a sports game, we watch a baseball game, and a guy smacks a home run, you see him running the bases, pointing at himself, you know, celebrating his, his home run, or somebody catches an a impossible pass in the end zone and spikes it and does his, the little touchdown dance. They're, they're, they're celebrating the, the pride they have in being able to make that. We see this all the time in our public discourse and our politicians who just spend their time tearing everybody else down to elevate themselves. We see it just in our world, whoever's behind the scenes, stoking the unrest in our nation and our world. Ultimately, that person or, or persons is being controlled by Satan. But this is why humility is such a big deal. That's why you see it evidenced in the life of Christ. That's why the Bible has so many references and of different times and places where it encourages humility and shows us the destructive nature of pride. Let's look at a few verses. We've already heard that the Apostle Paul in his letter to the, or we've already heard from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. So let's see what Jesus' best friend on earth, the Apostle Peter, had to say about humility. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Well, that's from his best friend. I wonder what his little brother James had to say. Well, James quotes the same passage that Peter did when he says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And both these New Testament church leaders are quoting from the same passage in Proverbs 3, verse 34. Now, it's obvious that no one here wants God opposing them. And that should be a strong enough argument in itself to promote humility and selflessness. But let, let me take a step further for you today. Let's look at Psalm 138.6, which says, Though the Lord is on high, he looks down upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. That's what the NIV translation says. The New Living Translation gives it even further clarity. It says that the Lord or though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. 
Now, if God is opposing you, that's a pretty horrible thing, isn't it? We, we don't want God opposing us. But the idea of Psalm 138 is that God distances himself from the prideful. And that should be terrifying for us. You see, pride and arrogance are completely incompatible with humility, which means that which means that these are attitudes you will only find far away from Jesus. If you have pride welling up in your life, it's an indicator for yourself that you are getting further and further away from Jesus. Pride can't survive in the presence of God. Pride will eventually destroy you if left unchecked. That's why the Bible addresses it again and again and again. Not the least of which is the example and the exhortation of Jesus himself, which will finish up our time today. In John, we read in John 13, 1 through, or 1 through 11, where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. At the end of verse 13, um, 13 ver, chapter 13, verse 1, God, gee, ugh, sorry, John records Jesus showing them the full extent of his love. Later in the chapter, John records Jesus saying, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash each other's feet. I have set for you an example that you should, have, you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master. Let me say it again. No servant is greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, got down on his knees, stripped all the way basically down to his underwear, got a basin of water, and washed the feet of his disciples. We've talked about this before, but the washing of feet in, in Jesus' day was the job given to the servant of lowest rank. It was at whoever the master decided that he liked the least. Because if you think about it, they're wearing sandals, walking along dusty, dirty roads. There were no toilets. There were no sewers. Everybody threw waste products into the street, essentially. So you're walking through all of this as you go. And the first thing you would do upon arriving to another person's house is one of the servants would lean down and wash all that stuff off of your feet for you. So you wouldn't bring it into the dinner table because they reclined at the dinner table and you didn't want that stuff on your feet bringing that to you. Jesus wanted the disciples to see how much he loved him. So he took that position of a house servant and washed their feet. He did this so that there is no one too important to get down and serve one another. He did this to show his love and care for the disciples. That's why his example in John chapter 13 is recorded 
for the church today so that we can see and we can know the heart and character of our Savior. Let me ask you a few questions. Maybe God is moving upon your heart of somebody you need to serve this week. Maybe there's somewhere in your life that you need to confess your pride. Maybe it's a wrecked relationship. Maybe it's a stubborn holding on to your rights or your opinions. Holy Spirit, search us and know us today and point that out. Proverbs 29.1 says that those who re whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed. Pride always leads to a fall. God wants to save you from that. Turn from that pride today. Another question we could ask is, how will the example of Christ here washing feet impact your daily routine starting tomorrow morning? Will you be thinking, oh, I don't want to go into work and see that person who bugs me again? I don't want to deal with that customer. I don't want to deal with that person. Have the heart of Christ. Be willing to wash their feet if necessary. Even if it means lowering yourself before them. Because otherwise, you're going to be opposed to God. You're going to be far away from God. Pride is incompatible with the righteousness of Jesus. But humility draws near all the blessing of God. Finally, I just want to say this. The world, our society, has no interest in what we are against. They don't care anymore. We used to be able to say that the Bible says this and the society would say, oh, maybe we should correct ourselves. Now, they don't care. What they want to see is a better way. Lived out by the way or lived out by the people who say they follow Christ. So I'll just encourage us this morning, if we're going to use the title of Christian, then let your attitude and your conduct toward others reflect the person's name who you use. Amen? We're going to finish this morning with a time of communion. Did everybody get a... Cup.